Let's pray. Father, thank you for us uh, gathering together today to hear wonderful truths in your word, to change us, to allow us to be more conformed into your image. We pray that, Lord, as the Holy Spirit takes hold of our service today, that he will be able to speak through me and touch the people to give them the thoughts and the uh, intentions of your spirit so that we can have a peaceful, loving life and be victorious in every area. And for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, and all agreed said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Okay, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, your friend, my friend, everybody's friend. Isn't that nice to know? That you have an all-powerful, almighty God at your disposal, ready to help you in everything that you do. So why would we be glum? Why would we be downcast? David said, why are you downcast, downcast, oh, my soul? You have a God in heaven that can do great and mighty things if you just tap into him and allow him to take control over your situations. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm getting happy already. All right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the series that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit exploring the person, the passion, and the power. Okay, three aspects. Uh, last week we talked about him as a person. We know that he's a person. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said, I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter and he will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. Amen? So Jesus knew the Holy Spirit, and he talked to him as a he. Now, I don't, the Bible doesn't say that he has a body, but he does have a mind, a, a spirit. No, I mean, I'm sorry. A mind, a will, and emotion. So if the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and an emotion, that's personality. That's, that's character traits, right? You, you wouldn't want to be with someone that doesn't have any thoughts, doesn't talk, just sits there like a bump on a log just does everything you, you say. I, my wife, I told my wife, uh, you know, it would be nice if you just did everything I said. <laughs> she said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like me if I just did everything. I said, well, let's try it and see. <laughs> but anyway, praise the Lord. I don't know if I would or not. But anyway, it's good to know that we have the Holy Spirit, that He directs, He commands, He guides, he teaches. He hears from the Father. He speaks to us what he hears. He warns us. He compels us to do things that we don't want to do. He leads us. He advises us. He comforts us, and he strengthens us. Isn't that nice? And he has emotions. He, he, he has, emo you know, we're going to talk about that, his passion. So he, he, he loves can you imagine the Holy Spirit, all the love that the Holy Spirit has, and he wants to release it upon us and release it, release it to us. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. He has joy. He has love. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. So now if the Holy Spirit has joy and we have the Holy Spirit, guess what? We have joy. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you sit up front here, Raina, because... Raina doesn't hold back. She lets it, lets it happen. Amen? So if he's a real person, we should have fellowship with him. Is that not right? Otherwise, we're just ignoring him and grieving him. You know, my wife and I, when we go on walks, she says she wants me to talk, you know. It's not just a walk. It's a walk and talk. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. She's still smiling. We're okay. <laughs> 
I, I just read her face to see how I'm doing, you know. If the, if the frown starts to go like this, I know, okay, get out of that area. Praise the Lord. But the Holy Spirit will show us great and mighty things that the Father has in store for us. And He will help us because He searches the mind and the heart of the Father. And we were saying last week that no one knows the man but the spirit of man. No one knows the, the Lord except the spirit of the Lord. There's things on the inside of you that no one else knows. Your family members don't know. And sometimes you don't even know that's on the inside of us. We act a certain way. We don't even know why we're acting that way. But some kind of hurt or something that's happened on the inside of us causing us to act a certain way. But the Holy Spirit searches what's in the heart and mind of the Lord of the Lord God and tells us things that we need to know. That's what, you know what they call that? Inside track. Inside, uh, what, what do they call that in, in, in um, stock market? Inside trading. It's not fair. You know what's going to happen before it happens. Praise the Lord. Amen. So why wander through life and not know what you're supposed to do, but rather rely on the Holy Spirit to show you things to come? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's with you all the time, ready to, ready to worship, uh, uh, direct you. He said, uh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, that, the Father is in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So here, who's here on earth? The Holy Spirit is here to guide and direct us. Amen? So that was just a little, little recap of what we talked about, the person. Now we're going to talk about the passion of the Holy Spirit. And we don't really think about the Holy Spirit as having passion, do we? We don't think about it. We just think, oh, well, the Holy Spirit was here. Oh, it was so wonderful and everything. No, but <laughs> the Holy Spirit really activates us and causes us to do things and, and minister to people. And we're going to see how the Holy Spirit took hold of Jesus. He took care, hold of the Apostle Paul, and he wants to take hold of us. We're not supposed to be just going through this life like, you know, just dummies, you know, just like um, robots and just, okay, I'm going to church. Okay, I'm serving the Lord. Okay, another day. No, every day is an exciting day with the Lord. Never know what He's going to do for you. Amen? Right. Praise the Lord. So let's look at the definition of, of passion. It's an intense, driving, or overwhelming feeling or conviction to do something. How many of you have passion for things? Amen? I'm not going to ask you what they are. <laughs> my wife says, when I go to play basketball, my eyes light up. She goes, why aren't you that way all the time? Why, why do you just get excited when you're going to go out and play? But we have passion for our family. You know, Marianne's mom, she, no matter what event that the family has, she drives from Oceanside, and she'll be there. Baby showers, graduations, anything that we have at the church, she's there. She's dedicated. She has a passion for having a loving family, a family that's together. Isn't that nice? You might have passion for your job. That's all you do. You just work, work, work. Amen? Passion for shopping. Yeah, I got a couple of amens on that. All right. Hit. All right. How many shoes can you own? Amen? Not enough. There's always one more. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't have that. I have the same shoes, you know, for this, for that. That's it, you know. We're different. Some people have passion for traveling. They just like to travel, like to go places, you know. 
They don't have a passion for their house. Their house, they may live in a small house, but they like to travel, like to go to Greece and wherever, but that's okay. Some have a passion for being on time. They just, if you're not on time, they have nothing to do with you, you know. I know certain people, not mentioning any names, but if you're five minutes late for Bible study, boy, that's the end of the world. I mean, you have just committed the unpardonable sin. <laughs> then there's a passion for cleanliness. Some people just are not happy unless everything is clean. Got to be clean, clean, clean. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Amen? You're that way? And uh, you heard one teacher that was talking to her, her, um, her students. She was trying to teach them about cleanliness. And she said, now, now fill in this blank. Cleanly, cleanliness is next to what? And one a student said, cleanliness is next to impossible. Because <laughs> there's no way I can keep it as clean as you want it to be. Praise the Lord. What other things? Well, our, 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 our children's, ch children's church teachers and our nursery teachers, our youth teachers, have a passion to want to see the kids learn the Word of God, Amen. to deposit that on the inside of them so that they can grow up and know that the Lord is their God and that they can call upon Him in times of trouble. Praise God. So passion also can be defined as zeal, fervor, enthusiasm. So if you ask somebody, how you doing? Oh, fine. And no excitement, no enthusiasm. Well, let's look at the definition of enthusiasm. It comes from a, a Greek word in the 1600s, entheoism. And it comes from, if you break it down, en means in, theos means God, ism means state of. So it means the state of being inspired or influenced by God. And that's the way it was for over 100 years, but then finally they changed it to just mean secular uh, enthusiasm. You can be enthusiastic about anything. But originally, it was God infused on the inside of you to want to do things. So if you don't have any fire there, guess what? The Holy Spirit's not working on the inside of you. You should be excited about something, going to church. I, David said, what well, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. You should be excited about winning souls. That should be like premier in your life. I got to get people's souls saved. Jesus said, I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Isn't that something? He said, I have a burning desire to want to save people's hearts and lives. I know we, I tell the story about Smith Wigglesworth. He made a commitment to the Lord. Every day I will try to get someone saved. And so one day he went to bed. It was 11 o'clock at night. He remembered, oh, I haven't got anybody saved today. So he got up, got dressed, went downstairs and looked for somebody to, to get saved, found somebody under the lamppost and ministered to him salvation. Went back home, took his clothes off, went back to bed. Do we have that same, you know, compassion? You know, people come to my house to do uh, manual labor, you know, like a plumber or computer analyst or whatever, and I get them, boy. I, you know, if you died today, would you go to heaven? What do you think? You know? Are you a religious person? You know, where do you go to church? You know, do you want to know for sure where you're going to heaven, if you're going to heaven or not? And they said, yeah, I would like to know. So put that down for a minute. Let's pray. <laughs> My neighbor knows the way I am, another neighbor. And uh, so when I had, he saw a truck out there, he goes, well, did you get him saved? I go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They should put danger. Don't come in here unless you want to accept the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But that's a good thing. So have, uh, have that as uh, 
one of your, um, what do you call it? Passions, exactly. Thank you. So now, this compelling driving force compels you to do things and to overcome situations that you're facing. You don't give up. When things don't go your way, you don't say, you don't quit. You don't say, well, I can't go to church today because of this or, or because of that, or I can't minister to somebody because I got my own problems. Don't we usually do that? But somehow, and I know Maggie and I do that sometimes. Maggie will have a pro- somebody have a problem, and we, I know she's got a problem, and we'll put that aside and say, we've got to minister to this person because now is the time that we can be used of God. And when you do things for God, because God needs us to help people because he's in heaven, he'll help us with our situations. It's so nice that way, isn't it? Now, let's look at Jesus for a minute. Jesus, you know, he wasn't welcomed by everybody. In fact, his first sermon, what did they want to do to him? They wanted to throw him off the cliff. That's not, that's not exciting. I'm sure he went home and talked to his mom, and, go, and his mom said, well, how, how did your first sermon go today, Jesus? Well, not too good, Mom. Actually, they really wanted to kill me. You know, I mean, I might have a bad sermon here once in a while, but nobody wants to kill me, you know. I mean, they... Is that right? Is that right? Okay, praise God. You know, they, they wanted to stone him. They wanted to find him and kill him. Towards the end of his ministry, he couldn't even sleep in a town. He had to go to the outskirts of the city to sleep. Now, he could have given up. He could have said, you know, I'm tired. These people are not receiving me. Let's just wipe them out and just start all over again. But he said, no, I have come. This is my passion to do. So we look at the pictures of Jesus. He's nice and calm. Remember the portrait? Remember the portrait we used to hang up on the wall? Just peaceful, loving Jesus. Calm, relaxed, you know, uh, uh, no, no um, animosity, no judgment. And, but Jesus had passion. He had Holy Spirit passion. Remember when he went into the temple? Let's look at this. Here he is. He, Jesus loves you, right? He'll heal you. He'll talk to you. He'll, he'll do all things for you. Let's look at this scripture here. Now, Jesus is going into the temple, right, on the Passover, and this is all the Jewish people are commanded to come into Jerusalem and offer sacrifices. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to, the Jeru- up to Jerusalem with his disciples, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Uh, uh, uh. In church. What it was is it's called the court of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles would come in, and they want to get to know the Lord. They couldn't go any farther than that because that was only for the Jewish people. But what the money changers did, because everybody had to bring sacrifices, or, and they didn't want to carry them from a long distance, they would come there, and the money changers would sell them oxen and sheep and doves and all these kinds of things and charge them exorbitant prices, kind of like going to Disneyland or any place else you go. You go like, What? $8 for Coke? What are you talking about? <laughs> so now this court of Gentiles, I just want to give you a, a, a history to this. It's a big place. It's 500 yards long and 300 yards wide. How big is that? That's five football fields long and three football fields wide. And there was between t- uh, two to 10,000 people in the courtyard. And about 250 uh, guards there to make sure that everybody was you know, doing the right thing. So there's a lot of people there. Now, Jesus comes in, and he's not happy with people selling and making his 
house, a house of merchandise. So let's see what he does. So when Jesus had made a whip of cords, now notice he didn't just go off. He, made, he took his time and made a whip of cords. He said, I'm going to show these people. I'm going to clear them out. You ever try to clear out, you know, between two and 10,000 people? How in the world would you do that? He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables, messing with their money. You know, people don't like it when you mess with their money, do you? Do they? And he said to those who sold the doves, take these things away. Now, I'm going to show a little clip here, but I'm going to they had this wrong when it says, it says, take these things away to the doves. In other words, he didn't throw the doves up in the air because the doves wouldn't come back, but the sheep they could go get. So Jesus was angry, but he was controlled anger. We get angry and we go crazy. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. And when you get to that boiling point, there's no, no stopping, you know. It's like, well, let's talk about, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus had control. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And the last scripture on this, this thing says, then his disciples remembered that it was, it was written, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. The passion that I have for my father's house, I couldn't take it anymore. You ever feel that way? You ever get into an elevator and people are cussing? You just can't take it as a gentleman, you know. Can you control your mouth? <laughs> I'm, not embar- I'm not embarrassed to say, on I mean, the basketball courts, when the kids come and they, and they cuss, and I said, excuse me. <laughs> Can you watch the way you're talking here? I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. I don't know where I got that idea from. (laughs) Your mother said that. (laughs) Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but they say my mother did that to my cousin in New York. And so when the older cousin talked to the younger cousin, says, you better not cuss because Aunt Jenny's coming, and she will wash your mouth out with soap. And so he was afraid of her. When she came into the room, he, he got out of there. But he felt safe if there was other people there. So one time, for some reason, everybody just kind of went out one at a time, and all of a sudden, he found himself alone with my mother. And he went, ah! He started screaming and running out. <laughs> but anyway, the threat of it was, was good. And so it's so funny because... You know, when we're playing basketball, this one guy, he hurt his, he hurt his uh, ankle playing basketball, and everybody said, Pastor, play, pray for him. And I go, I'm going to pray for him. He goes, I'm sorry that I cussed the other day. I really am sorry. I, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And I prayed for him. Praise the Lord. So Jesus said, or the disciples who had read the Bible, this popped up in their heart. When you read the Bible, things will pop up when you're in daily life, and they goes. Didn't it, didn't, don't you remember in Psalm 69.9 that the zeal for your house has eaten me? We're seeing it alive and in action right now. Do you want to see it alive and in action right now? Yes, yes thank you. <laughs> Take the cue from Reno, okay? So let's see that video of Jesus going into the temple. Just... Disciples just having a nice day, Passover with Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. Here we go. Amen. Jesus, what got into you? Man, you really, 
got excited there, amen? So, do you ever have that? You, you, I know I, I shop at this one, uh, Trader Joe's, and I went by there, and then one, there was a denomination that had their, their uh, stand out there, and they were trying to recruit people. Yes, those people. <laughs> and I went up to them, I go, do you have permission to do this? I mean, my holy indignation came. I, I was going to overturn the tables, but I said, no, I better not. <laughs> I don't have Jesus power, that much Jesus power. But I felt like, I felt like doing it. I felt like, what are you doing here? You know, do you have permission? They go, yeah, who, I forgot who it was. I went in the store. I would talk to the manager. I go, do you know what they're doing out here? They're, they're, you know, grabbing people and trying to get them to the religion. Can they do that? He goes, we have no control over that. That's the management uh, company. I go, well, do you have their number? I call the management company. I go, do you know what they're doing over here? And she said, well, I'll put a stop to it. They brought the police over. So I didn't know this, but they can't stop anybody from doing that, for promoting, you know, a religion. It's freedom of speech. But boy, I was mad. Oh. My son said, don't worry about it, Dad. They're not going to get that many people. I go, it doesn't matter. if They just get one. That's more than what they should have. And I said, well, I have to just kind of, I just kind of curse them as I go by, you know. Lord, I just thank you that they leave in the name of Jesus. I mean, we told the story about how they had a bar next to our condominium one time, and every time we went by, we just kind of cursed it. We just said, Lord, have this dry up in the name of Jesus. And it took a while, but all of a sudden, they just plowed the whole thing down. I went, wow, there's power in that, in the name of Jesus. Amen? So we can have that same power. We can have that same but it has to be Holy Spirit. How did Jesus clear two, two to 10,000 people? It wasn't his one man's natural strength, right? No way could he have done All he needed was like three guys to jump on him, and that would be it. But he was clearing the temple, and they were like backing off because there was a Holy Spirit power. You have that same Holy Spirit power to accomplish things that are not right in this world. You can write them. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, let's look at the Apostle Paul, his zeal and passion. I said before that we don't give up when things don't go our way. Do you think Paul had some situations that he faced that were, you know, not very uh, pleasant? Well, let's look at him. Let's see. Here's what he says. I'm an apostle. He says, I'm an apostle. You think that's a great thing to be? He says, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times, 40 lashes minus one. You know why it was 40 minus one? Anybody? Well, in the Old Testament, if, someone, if you want to punish somebody, you give them 40 lashes. But if you go over 40, then that punishment comes on you. So they did 40 minus one just in case they miscounted. <laughs> so it makes it 39, right. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I couldn't even take one whipping. One little whip. Ah! I don't want to play anymore, okay? But here, 40 minus 1, 39, five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. You ever get beaten by your mom? You get punished? I know my son, when we used to spank him, he used to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How many times are you going to hit me? <laughs> Is it hard? Is it going to be soft, you know? 
Is it pants off or pants on? I mean, what is, what is it going to Is there any other way we can do this? But Paul, he, you, couldn't, you couldn't, you know, make a concession. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones and he actually died. I can't imagine getting hit with stones and, and dying. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I had perils by day, perils by night, perils by my own countrymen, perils by robbers, and yet still keeping up the care of the churches. When would you quit? When, as an apostle, he never quit. He went on three missionary journeys, traveled over 10,000 miles. What? Because he had passion to do those things that God has called them to do. What is your passion? What are you fighting through? What are you determined to see happen? Maybe in your family, maybe at your work, maybe uh, in your neighborhood. We don't know, but God has puts on the inside of us a desire, a passion to do something. Now, you don't have to jump up and down. You know, you don't have to have all that excitement, but you should have some kind of drive. Come talk to me. You should have some kind of drive. The Holy Spirit's not saying, you ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? He says, I don't know. What do you want to do? No, he's... <laughs> He's going to use you to do something wherever you're at. It may just be one person, but God wants to use you. I know Pastor Charlie, when he goes trips, he lets the Holy Spirit use him. Praise God. Does the Holy Spirit use you wherever you're at? So uh, I have seven determining factors to see if the Holy Spirit is working his passion on the inside of you. You want to hear some of them? Amen. It's just a, a measurement to see, are you working? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Well, let's look at one of them here. Uh, I think we have the, uh, the, uh, the slide that shows all of them in uh, before that. Romans 12, 9 through 11. It says, uh, one before that one, yeah. Let love be without dissimulation. Anybody know what dissimulation means? This is a pop quiz. Dissimulation means pretense, means fake. Don't, don't be fake about your, your love. Don't love one person more than the other. Don't say, I love you, I love you, but you I'm not so sure about. No. <laughs> oh, we do that. Come on. Be honest. You know, I don't have anything to do with that person. Just stay away from them. Maybe you'd be used of God to minister to that person, show them the love. Why would you be a cause for stumbling block for somebody else? Amen? They may come to the Lord. Have you seen people that are just downright ornery? And for some reason, because of the way you were loving to them, they came to the Lord? I told him about a, a story about this guy that I used to work with, and he was, he was vile. I mean, he was just like over the top, you know, yelling. And, you know, he criticized me in front of, across the, the floor, 65 people there. And he's saying things I can't even remember because I'm godly and I forget. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I was so much wanting to just punch him out or say something, you know, and I didn't. And I went and made friends with him, and I talked with him afterwards, and I listened to his stories, and I talked to him about his, his son who plays basketball for Northridge. And he would always show me what his son was doing. And then one day, one week before I was going to leave, he comes to me, he says, do you have a Bible? Do you know where I can get a Bible? I about fell out of my chair. You, you got to be kidding me. You want a Bible? He goes, yeah. He goes, my son, he said, he goes to Bible study on Sunday. I usually watch uh, the basketball games with him, but he wants to go with his friends to church. 
He said, I got to know a little bit about the Bible. Sure. Got him a Bible, gave it to him, and I left. Hopefully, he's still reading it, still going to church. But what if I would have been mean? What if I would have been like, like everybody else? The Bible says what? If you love only those that love you, what good is that? Even the publicans and the sinners do that. But blessed are the peacemakers, those that love, those that need, uh, you know, help. So I, I ministered to him, and so he came to me out of all the people because he knew that, knew that I would be, I would know where to find a Bible, right? Hopefully. Praise the Lord. I did find one. Okay, I'm going to go through these individually, but let's read this here. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. See, these are, these are passion words, right? Hate. Hate. How, do you hate evil? I, I'm, I'm talking before the time, okay? Hate, that's of action. That's, that's passion. Cling to what is good. Amen? I clung. The Bible says cling to your wife, right? <laughs> I clung to her. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Don't leave me. <laughs> I want to be with you all the days of my life. I want to wake up and see you, amen? And I'll pay the price, whatever it takes. <laughs> and it's been costing me ever since. <laughs> amen. So it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Never lacking in zeal. Never lacking in zeal. How are you feeling? Oh, so-so. Come see, come stop. What? Fervent in spirit. That means boiling over. Fervent. Serving the Lord. What do you do with that fervency? You serve the Lord. Next scripture. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. So let's take these seven one by one. Ready? Let's go to the first one where it says... Love without dissimulation. So here we see some kids loving this little girl, I guess it is, who's not, who doesn't really look like them, doesn't really probably act the way that they are accustomed to acting. You know, we're thinking about taking some, some youth kids down to Skid Row so they can see what it's like, you know, to not have so they can appreciate what they do have. But here, the, these, these kids, we should learn this as kids, to reach out and love someone that doesn't actually maybe act the way we want them to act. But we're not that way as Christians, you know. Oh, we've reached a level. We've reached a part where we can just be above them. You know, I don't do the things that they do. Amen. You judge them. I, I don't have any part of what they're doing. I'm better than them. We know that, right? We, we have that in our own minds. We're better than somebody else. Why? Because we don't reach out to them. We don't try to help them be what they need to be. So it says, let love be without dissimulation. Uh, unlimited, abounding love that cannot be controlled, that's residing on the inside of us. So here we, we see children reaching out to someone who is not accepted or fits into the mold of how we want them to look or how to act. But, not, you know, I have to tell you, there are some unusual characters in the kingdom of God. I mean, they didn't, after they accept the Lord, they didn't come in all of a sudden holy, righteous, and perfect, right? They've got baggage that they have. But, you know, the Bible says, judge no one before the time. There's plenty of time for God to work on them, and maybe God wants to use you. You can be an example to them. Praise the Lord. So the next one, it says, hate 
What is evil? Cling to what is Do you hate evil? Do you hate, when you see something on TV or you see something in the movies and you go, oh, I hate, why are they showing that? Or something on the news. Why is this happening? I hate that. You know, I, when I see people in Skid Row, I hate, I hate to see what the devil is doing to people and taking their lives. I hate to see people that are sick, people that are, are, are downcast, that they need healings in their bodies. It makes me so mad. I hate it. I, I cling to what is good. And here we see uh, some people clinging and helping someone that needs help. Isn't that nice? Now, David said in Psalms 101, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. And sometimes we'd be watching something on TV and we'd go, oh, my, how could they show that on TV? We're not changing the channel. We're just, (laughs) oh, wow, looks like they're naked. What are they doing? Please, give me a break. You know, at our house, if that ever happens, we, everybody closes their eyes. Okay. Mute. Okay. And we did that with Charles when he was growing up. Everybody, and he does the same thing now. When we see something, we close our eyes. Don't look. Is it over? <laughs> we don't want that in our minds. Amen? Praise the Lord. So he's, he says, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Because, you know, we, we pick up things that we see. And when we see it, it, beca- it gets lodged in our spirit. We were talking earlier today how, how uh, advertisers on TV, they put little subliminal things in the, in the pictures to get us to do things, to buy things. And it hits our mind and our spirit. We don't even know it. It registers. So how much more when we're actually looking at it? So we want to cling to what is good, just like this guy is here. Now, here's another uh, That's the second thing. Third thing is be kindly, affectionate to one another. Are you that way? Is there passion in that? Kindly, affectionate. That means when you see someone, your heart goes out to them. You're affectionate towards them. Be kindly, affectionate. So I was going to do a little demonstration with, with Pastor Charlie. You know, there's one thing to be kind, but there's another thing to be kindly, Affectionate. So we're going to do it the first way where we're just kind. Just kind to somebody. Hello, Pastor Charlie. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Pastor Chuck. How was your trip to uh, Canada? Uh, That was Alaska. Alaska, right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What, whatever. It was was good. It was good? Yeah, we enjoyed it. You know, we seen a lot of countryside and a lot of scenery, and we had a good time. Good. How about uh, your wife, Jenny? That's uh, Jeannie. Oh, Jeannie. Yeah, Not right, Jeannie. Jeannie. <laughs> How long have we been with you? <laughs> but uh, she's excited about it, too. It's, we're, we're both excited. Good. Well, it's good to have you back. You know, uh, we carried on here without you because, you know, one monkey doesn't stop, no show. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I'm really not a primate, but if I stopped the show, I'm sorry, you know. But, you know, I um, missed you guys, too. Okay, well, that's good. Well, it's good to have you back, Pastor Charlie. Thank you for coming back. Uh, uh, let's, let's get ready. Let's have a good service today, okay? Okay, no problem. Okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> that's being kind, right? Yeah. It's being cordial. But it's not affectionate, is it? No. It's not really reaching out. So here's how you do it when you're reaching out. 
Hey, Pastor Charlie. Hey, Pastor. Hey, you good brother? to see you, man. Oh, so good to see you, man. Oh, that's good seeing you, too. Seems like a long time. How? It, it was. It seemed awful long. Yeah, how was your trip? Oh, it was so awesome. Really? You know, beautiful countryside, you know, clean, crisp air. Yeah. And we had opportunity to share the word with people. Praise and, you know, the, the Lord. The Holy Spirit was alive and working in our life. Oh, man. It was awesome. That sounds great. I wish I was with you, but we were here. We, I wish you were too. Yeah. Did did your did Jeannie like it? Oh, she loved it. I can't get her hush up about it. Yeah. She's telling all of her friends, you gotta take this trip. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we we're still living it. Praise God. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, we've got uh, we missed you, but we carried on. But I'm glad that you're back and we're gonna have a great service today. You know, I'm glad to be back too. It's it's good to go, but you know, it's good to be home and I miss you guys. So much, you know, you're my church family, you know, you're the people of God, you know, I've gone to love you, and when you're away from the ones you love, you miss them. Amen. So I just, you know, I'm glad to be back too. Amen, Pastor Charlie, thank I'm, you. I'm ready to carry on. Amen, God bless you, amen, praise God, amen. So you see the difference? You know, I, I one time uh, with Terry McFadden, I used to work with her, and she had an office, and I was going to meet with her about something, some activity. And I, she said, well, just go in my office. I'll be right there. So I'm in the office, and I'm looking around, and I see all these cards, you know, all these thank you cards and thank you, thank you that you were there. I'm going like, man, what are all these cards here? I don't have any cards in my office. <laughs> so God, forgive me. I actually started reading some of them. And it said... Thank you, Terry, for being there when I really needed you when my father died. And thank you for being with me when I was going through a certain trouble in my life. Thank you, Terry, for all these things. I'm going, that's what it is. You're supposed to minister to someone. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be kindly affectioned, be part of their lives, get into the things that they need to have. Amen? So I started doing it, and guess what? I got cards now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I found the secret. Hopefully, you'll find the secret, too. Okay, so here's another one. In honor, preferring one another. Now, if you're in line and you see this guy at the back of the line, do you allow him to get in front of you? You can tell, <laughs> no. <laughs> it says, in honor preferring one another, okay? You can tell he's in a hurry. He's looking at his clock. He's looking at his watch. And the right thing to do is to let him go ahead of you because, you know, he must be, who knows what's happening. Now, I'll tell you, this is a true story. A pastor friend of mine, he went to go see, uh, uh, in Florida, Disney World, you know, that, that place. And he came back. He says, I want to tell you a story. You won't believe this. I go, okay, what? He says, I'm in line to go, or I'm getting ready I'm in line. I'm getting ready to go through the turnstile, and I see this gentleman who is kind of struggling a little bit, and I just let him go ahead of me. And so the gentleman went ahead of me. He says, then I, then I went through the turnstile, and all of a sudden, when I did that, all of a sudden, lights and bells and whistles, you know, started sounding. I was the one millionth uh, customer into Disney World, and I want a free car. I go, you got to be kidding me. He goes, no, it's outside right now. In honor preferring one another. What if he would have said, excuse me, <laughs> you're taking too long, okay? <laughs> he, 
he would have missed out, and the guy in back of him would have got it. So you never know what the Lord is doing. And I kind of look at that, you know, whenever I'm doing or going somewhere, I said, Lord, let, let, it, let me be at the right place at the right time. When you go in for uh, the doctor's office or wherever you're going, you want to make sure, Lord, I want it where there's nobody in the waiting room, right? When you go wherever you're going, at the, at, like at the return at Costco, Lord, I want no one to be there, okay? Try it! You know, try it. You'll like it. It's, it works. So in honor, preferring one another. Praise God. All right. Um, how are you measuring up so far? You're doing good? Okay, so what was number one? Number one was, huh? Love. Don't divide up your love. Let it be just all the way love. You love everybody the same. Praise the Lord. Second is what? Hate what is evil. Just don't like it. Don't just put up with it. Hate it. Cling to what is good. Thirdly is be kindly affectionate. Be a love child. Hallelujah. With one another, with brotherly love. And this next one was in honor, preferring one another. Okay, now we're going to get a little harder. Okay, you ready? Next one is be fervent in the spirit, never lacking in zeal, fervent, boiling in spirit, serving the Lord. So here we see a guy passing out tracts. So you can tell he's busy. He's going to be doing something. Here's a kid. He don't have to stop and pay, and, and pay attention to him, but he does. Why? The zeal of the Lord, the passion of God compelled him to do and reach out and talk to this person. Now, Pastor Gary George is a prime example of that, who comes and ministers here. And he... Um, He's always passing out tracks. One time we went on a, on a hike, a men's hike, and we're hiking, and Pastor Gary, we don't see him. Well, where's Pastor Gary? He's like, where is he? And so he finally comes down the road, and he's passing out tracks. Here you go, brother. Here you go. Oh, so good to see you, brother. <laughs> oh, Pastor Gary, we're hiking. What are you doing? He's passing out tracks. So you have to be fervent in the spirit. You have to have some kind of push or momentum on the inside of you. You have to have something boiling out on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. And so that's what we have to do. We have to have a desire to serve the Lord. And it says, never lacking in zeal, fervent in spirit. And what do you do with it? Serve the Lord. Okay, praise God. So two more. We have to continue, or rejoicing in hope, continuing in prayer. So a lot of times we pray Things don't go our way. Do we give up? Do we fold? Do we quit? What happens? No, we have to continue. I like what it says here. Rejoicing in hope. A lot of times your, our hope, you know, is deferred. Our hope is delayed. And we want to give up. But the Bible says rejoice in that. Rejoice in hope. I'm believing you, Lord. I'm believing that it's going to happen. I'm believing. I'm expecting everything is going to go happen. I'm patient in tribulation. I know this is taking longer than I want, but I'm patient, trusting and believing in you. You can see this lady. She probably has been praying a long time, but she says, I'm not giving up. I'm continuing to pray and be patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfast in prayer. Being enduring. Praise the Lord. Are you still praying about things? Things that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Maybe your family, maybe your finances, all the things that you're believing. Don't give up. Continuing. Because there's a zeal, there's a passion, there's a burning on the inside of you. And the last one here is given to hospitality. Praise the Lord. It says, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, serving the Lord. Given to hospitality. It means you welcome people to your house. You allow them to come in. I was so 
touched by Bindi, she invited Valasia to come and, and uh, have dinner with her one night. And she didn't have to do that. She, you know, Valasia usually comes and goes, and she doesn't really, um, you know, make a lot of friends. But Bindi reached out to her. And I know that um, Rosie reached out to Bindi. And so we just have a spirit of hospitality. And, and Bindi, she's going to be making something for us today in hospitality. We have a whole department called the Hospitality Ministry. And we've had a couple of people that, well, Irene has moved away, so we have a couple open spots. So if you feel it in your heart, I would like to take a week and give a hus, you know, offer my services as hospitality. You are more than welcome to get the rewards that you have uh, in God. The Bible says, I was hungry and you fed me. You know, we used to have, we didn't used to have the hospitality. We used to just have, after service, everybody would leave and go home, go to their cars real quick. I'd go like, where, where are you going? I just poured my heart out, and you, you, you're just leaving me here by myself to turn off the lights? What? No fellowship? No nothing? We're hungry, Pastor. We're hungry. So someone said, you need to have some food for them to munch on so that they can have something, uh, you know, where they can talk and they don't just run out the door. It was so funny. I mean, here you get done preaching. Before I was almost even done, I could see him out in the parking lot. I'm going, oh, my God, this is terrible. But we don't have that anymore. Amen. Amen. This is a church restaurant. <laughs> we get to receive the Word of God and get fed as well. So these are the seven, seven measuring points to see if you have the passion of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that that was in the Bible there, where they have passion, they have action words that we can actually see how we're doing? And if you're not hitting all these points, it's an indication that you probably need to step up your Bible reading, step up your prayer life, step up your commitment to serving the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. Amen? Let's pray.